Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This is a work of fiction that contains adult language, murder, and death that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. This is Everyday Death. The Hippie Farm. The Commune. The Cult. My mother's farmstead had been called a lot of things by the locals, but in reality, they had no idea what actually happened up there. I had been raised there by my mother along with six other families, and there had been five kids, including me, that she had adopted, so it was... bustling. The confines weren't very close. There was a lot of land, and the other six families were, on paper anyway, farmhands, but it had been communal living at its finest. Any of us kids could have walked into any house and eaten dinner at anyone's table. Cult is a little harsh. It really was more of a commune. Still, there was a thriving business consisting of a B&B, farm-fresh food, wool, honey, and all kinds of natural remedies and herbs. What the town didn't realize is that this wasn't a commune of 60s hippies still living the dream. This was a coven. It always had been. Most of the families had history of fleeing Europe together in World War II. I never got a straight answer on what country. They had originally gone to Canada, but for some reason or another, I had also never gotten a straight answer on, wound up in Vermont. One thing had not changed. They practiced some very old, very eclectic form of what I could best describe as spiritualism, with a healthy mix of Judaism, some pagan beliefs, and honestly, I don't know where half of it came from. I parked my truck in front of my mother's barn, hearing the bleeding of sheep in their pasture. I wandered around the back, following the soft sounds of conversation. My mother was there, speaking with another woman in a white doctor's coat, but seeing as she was dealing with a sheep, it was easy enough to recognize that this was a veterinarian. I couldn't really get grouchy that this was going on and my mother was busy. She hadn't exactly been expecting my call. Hey, Ma, I called out. My mother raised a hand in greeting, but went back to the matter at hand. I spent a little while with Zip, her border collie. Eventually, one of the farmhands, Micah, had come around on his chores, and we spent some time catching up. Micah was about my age, and we had been best friends through our childhood. When I had decided to open a shop in town, it had caused some friction among my siblings, but Micah had been the one to get them to see that it would be a great place for them to branch out of some of their goods and services, while giving me a bit of space to get my own thing going. Not that I disliked the idea of the farm community, I just... I wanted to get Jewel into public school instead of home school, and I just wanted to take a break from shoveling shit every morning of my life. Maybe someday I'll retire back here. Maybe not. There are four other siblings to help out. Plenty of shit for everyone. My mother finished up with the veterinarian and asked Micah to get the sheep into quarantine, leaving my mother and I with Zip. Sorry, Reese. You know how it is with all of these animals. I nodded. It's fine, Ma. I don't need much time. Listen, I know I've normally got a supply order in, but I need to go to the garden for personal reasons. My mother nodded and said, Of course, Reese. Whatever you need. What is it you're looking for? I debated lying as to not worry her, but I just couldn't do it. So I was honest. I need to make a blackberry ivy and rowan wreath. Her eyes narrowed. That's a powerful talisman, Reese. What are you trying to keep out? Again, I debated not telling the truth, but we were raised to be fairly open, so it wasn't in my nature to lie to this woman. I tried to omit a few things as I followed her. 
It was a fairly long walk to the garden, so I had to fill the silence anyway. I did this reading for a family who was missing their daughter. I was sure she was killed. So I reached out to her again on my own, and the vision I got of her killer, it was strange. It was hard to tell if this was just her way of seeing him, but it was a man with a forked tongue, surrounded by a black mist with glowing eyes. My mother spit thrice upon the ground as we walked. Better put some boxwood in that wreath, too. We were silent for a while, my mother digesting the information I had given her. She asked, Do her parents know what you saw in the second reading? No, I replied, shaking my head. I don't think I'm going to give them that part, either. She nodded. Good. I don't think they would know what to do with that besides worry. Did you get any symbols? I thought back. Uh, not really. There was something carved on her hands and her forehead, but I couldn't see it very clearly. We paused our conversation briefly to cut plants, my mother putting them in a burlap bag. Handing me the package, she patted my cheek with a dirty hand. Race, you have a deep gift. Please let me help you if I can. I know you like to be solitary, but please, consider bringing Jewel to the next circle and let us protect both of you as well. I took a deep breath and fought off a sigh, and finally agreed. Sure, I'll bring her. Thanks for understanding that sometimes I work best alone. We all do things in our own way, Reese. We walked back to my truck. I would offer you to stay for coffee, but we're moving the animals for winter, and I cut her off. Ma, don't worry about it. I appreciate you letting me come and get supplies on short notice. She smiled at me. You know, this farm is yours as well. You don't have to ask. I gave her a shrug. I prefer to, you know that. I do. Be careful, my girl. You as well, Ma. I drove along the bleak autumn roads, trees like skeletons looming on either side. The smell of the fresh plant cuttings made me both encouraged and made me nervous. I had always taken protections at my home, but this was a giant fuck-off sign to anything evil trying to enter my house. I told myself I wasn't sure what I was expecting, or wasn't sure what had driven me to drive all the way out to the farm to get these plants. I guess that vision had rattled me more than I realized. In the silence of the car, alone with my thoughts, I couldn't lie to myself. With every fiber of my being, I just didn't believe, I knew, that what I had seen was not some symbol Cassie had given me, and I knew it wasn't done yet. There was more on the horizon. How do you warn the cops that you think a crime you aren't supposed to know about is just the beginning? How do you tell people that you have a bad feeling? You don't. This was the curse of this ability. You know things, you can see things, but you can't tell things. Maybe a couple of thousand years ago as a wise woman, sure, but now, now you're crazy or just trying to cover your tracks or who knows what else. What could I do but just protect myself and my daughter? I had Jewel help me make the wreath when we were home together, carefully going over the properties of each of the plants. We hung it on the door to the outside, we salted the corners of the apartment, redid the wards over the doors and windows. Sometimes I think Jewel just went through the motions that she didn't actually believe in anything further than this being her mother's wacky superstitions, but as long as she allowed me to indulge in these motions, fine. It was something, anyway. After that, things went back to business as normal. Normally, Frankie would have Jewel this week, but since he was so busy working in the new murder case, she stayed with me. 
It was sort of a typical work week for me, school for Jewel, dinners, homework, the normal world of the average family. I didn't tell Jewel anything of the nightmares, the repeatedly seeing that forest grove and that crumpled form. I didn't tell her in the dreams, sometimes I could see shadows moving, figures lurking just out of the light of the strange glow that was there in my dreaming world. It was one of those dreams that woke me far too early on Saturday and sent me to the couch with a cup of coffee and some mindless app on my phone. A text came through in the form of an unknown number. Reese, it's Ian. Sorry, I grabbed your number from Frankie's file. I wanted to check in. Give me a call? I stared at the text. I wish I wasn't suspicious of everything, but it seemed like a setup. Or a practical joke. Maybe I was just grouchy from lack of sleep. I went back to playing my mindless game. It was maybe an hour later when the phone buzzed and woke me up from where I had dozed off on the couch. Another text, same unknown number. Oh, also, I copied those symbols as best I could. Can I talk to you about them? This has a lot of us scratching our heads. Maybe, I thought to myself, maybe this is how I can help. Maybe even if he halves believe me, it's a start. I shot back a text. Sure. Let's meet up. Everyday Death is written and produced by Melissa Croft. I hope you are enjoying this story. If you enjoy what you are hearing, please subscribe to hear new episodes every Monday. Thank you for listening.